Hey everybody, welcome to a Friday video and happy opening day to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. That's in right, Disneyland. and happy 100 years of Walt Disney Animation. So cool. Today we're gonna be kind of doing like a fast and loose kind of conversation. Fast and loose. Uh, we've talked about- Just the way I like my conversations. <laughs> Easy. Easy. <laughs> like, never mind. <laughs> I, Easy. I really don't want to get to have this video get flagged. Oh, it won't. It won't. <laughs> we're fine. Anyways, <laughs> we- we have done videos on licensing in consumer products. Yes. We have done videos on starting a business. Mm -hmm. Today we are going to be talking to those people that have started a business and are thinking about licensing and how that ties into and should tie into almost exclusively a customer acquisition strategy. Ooh. There are a lot of fun reasons to do licensing but I would say, and I would argue, the right one is customer acquisition. And I 1000% agree with that sentiment. Okay. Yes. So let's jump into the first section that we're making up as we go along. Yes. The name of this section being section one, what not to do, or the Danielle Nicole. <gasps> Girl, yeah. let me just... So yeah, we're just jumping in with the daggers. Um, so the slippery slope of licensing to set this up is that it is a great boost in sales because the VIP, the whole reason that you jump into something like this is because there's a lot of recognition already. Yeah. If it's got, I mean, we're gonna stick with Mickey Mouse. It's an easy one. People know who Mickey Mouse is. People don't know your brand. I think I've said this in almost every video that talks about licensing. You put Mickey on the thing, you put it on the shelf, I know Mickey, I buy the thing. Yeah, um, even terribly done licensing will still, still make you money. Still generate sales. I, I be, wish that weren't be, the case, but it is the really, case. Because it's really at the core of it, hinging on the affinity for that IP. Yes. Um, so that great boost in sales, it could be very, very, oh, what do you want to say? Just not distracting, but um, uh, what do you call the sirens song that brings the ships to the wreckage? A uh, siren song. A siren song, if you will. Tempting? Tempting. Um, yeah. It can be very tempting and it seems like a phenomenal business because every time you release uh, something with a character on it, boom, your sales go up. But it's very similar to having way too much of your sales coming from third-party retailers. Mm. You, you are now not a business without those third-party retailers, they now have control over what you do because you don't own those sales. It is, it is a slippery in, slope. In the same way, if you over-rely on licensing at the, at the cost of building your core brand, you will cease to be a brand and be really just a manufacturer of some kind of Mickey-related product. And if you ever try to go outside of that, and say, look, it's the same thing. It's the same whatever you've come to know and love, but without Mickey on it, they're like, well, I wasn't showing up for Mickey. I was, or I wasn't showing up for you. I was showing up for Mickey. And that's what happened with Danielle Nicole. They started with- Do you remember? First of all, do you even remember oh Danielle Nicole? I know, like uh, maybe being licensing, this isn't like, your I world remember. and maybe you don't um, actually even know this brand or this company. So we'll throw um, up an image of their website for reference. 
and but really they started with bags they were kind of like a bag in the Disney space they were really like right before Loungefly yes. really blew up so they started with Disney the bags they started to do licensing they did well they did a lot of licensing they really put their brand development if 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 they didn't, it wasn't obvious to us, but mm -hmm. it looked like from the outside they put their brand development on the back burner and really just went all in on Disney and yes. mostly Disney being like who they were. If you were shopping um, Disney merch, because it, I feel like that was really what they were doing was yeah. mostly Disney, around like circa 2015, I would say, yeah, yeah. you probably saw these bags. They were, I think, purses, and they were um, interesting cutout shapes of like, yeah. so it'd be like Snow White's head and the bag would be cut in the shape of that with like a chain so you hang and, it and, like on the side and, and it would be like glittery like yeah. really and, cool and unique looking bags very they really would stand out I they thought. were and they were you know they were um they were vinyl and like polypropylene so they kind of were shiny and glossy and they kind of yeah. looked like yeah 50s like car seats kind of oh yeah that's true it's that's kind true. of their yeah this kind uh -huh, of material uh -huh. um but they really like lost their own identity. And when Loungefly came in, and I think of the small accessory kind of market, just ate that up. Like they kind of owned that space uh, in, the, in the Disney kind of accessory bag space. Danielle Nicole tried to fall back on its core brand and what we didn't know what that I'm gonna was. I'm going to look it up now. I don't know if they're even still exactly. in business. Exactly. We'll look it up, and if it is still in business, I'll, we'll throw it up on the screen. But, that, geez, like, that was... Did they get bought out? Are they still They just, as far as we were concerned, they, they kind of faded into obscurity. It really seems that way. Another one that is doing something kind of the same, but is still kind of in the middle of it, is ColourPop. Uh, yes, so ColourPop. We'll call this 1A... Don't so, do this, but <laughs> if you're doing it, you better keep feeding it ColourPop. Right. ColourPop obviously is still very big and large. Color and the thing is, they first started, the reason that anybody knew about ColourPop in the very early days of ColourPop, um, again, probably around the same time, like 2014, 13, yeah. something like that, um, they were the makers, they weren't even a brand, they were the makers of the Kylie lip kit. Well, they were they were a lab. They're they a lab. Spats. They're a Spats was makeup the name of the lab. lab. This was their like house brand. It was color basically, yeah. but they were small. They were virtually unknown until somebody figured out like, oh, this isn't just a dupe for the Kylie lip this. kit. This is the Kylie lip yeah, kit, right. and it is significantly cheaper. So everybody starts buying it from ColourPop because it is they made the Kylie lip kit but it was branded for Kylie and they then took the same product and without the branding and sold it on their own. And then people were like, oh, well, ColourPop has tons of stuff that they're making for other brands. And if you can figure that out, it's like a little mystery. You can get it yeah. so much cheaper, like eyebrow pencils and eyeshadows and like tons of options, tons of colors. They were a lab so they could virtually make anything yeah. as much as they wanted. Um, so it was super weird at first when all of a sudden this brand that was kind of this like secret beauty insider kind of brand that you had to know and you had to only only could order it on their site they weren't like in other beauty shops mm -hmm. um you found out like you see that they're doing licensing now and i don't remember what their first license collection was that they came out with but i remember, I remember seeing whatever it was and thinking they're 
ColourPop is doing a licensed collection? That's weird. And now that's and I thought that was weird. And now that's all, all they, they do. do. They have, the last time I checked on their site, they had a couple things that were just ColourPop branded, but um, they don't exist as a company outside of, of licensing. Now, but they're this, chucking out licensed products this like is, nobody's yeah, business. Yeah, I mean, this, this video is under the assumption that you have a brand that you would like to see grow and you want to incorporate licensing as that customer acquisition strategy and you don't want to dilute your brand but if you're like i just want to be like in the in you know in the um in the wings and my brand just makes a disney branded thing and i don't want to work on my brand i just want it to be like a disney thing you know that works that also is a thing that's you just, true you just that's gotta, true we just want to but that's a different business model be sure that I mean, yeah that we're not saying like we're saying that from the perspective of growing a brand this would not be the way to do it like neither of those brands i think set out to be completely absorbed into licensing Colourpop, the way that they are maybe i don't know though i don't know i don't know it's though. hard to say but they like are still now, a lab, like, so they still do other think, work yeah but, that's true. But um, you think ColourPop and you just think of all the licensed collections they have. If you were to ask, like, what does a non-licensed ColourPop palette look like? What's their signature product? What's well, what like do a, they what do they do best? It's like, like a cardboard we don't, palette. Well, we don't really know, some kind right? Of pastel color, if I had to give it like a wild But guess. we don't really know because they've only been doing oh, like yeah. licensed releases oh, and then, so yeah, much. And, and so it kind same with Danielle McColl, like I don't know what it looked like before Disney because Disney is the way I was introduced to Danielle Nicole. And they didn't have But like a I never enough. was converted into a normal Danielle yeah. Nicole customer to learn what their bags so, look like without the licensing on it and fall in love with the bag itself. So here so is, I wouldn't I wouldn't know. This leads perfectly into point two. Using this as a customer acquisition strategy, this is what you're gonna wanna do. You're gonna wanna have a strong brand to start with or a strong identity to the brand which goes back to our other video that talked about starting a business and starting an e-com business the first step is always finding something that you are passionate about finding something that you can tell a story about or that has kind of real grounding in something that somebody's gonna give a damn about because if you don't have that then you'd be looking to just do like the licensing I don't have a brand, just put Mickey Mouse on it and push it out all day. But if you're doing the other way, you need to make sure you have that piece figured out first because what's gonna happen when you do it correctly is that you're gonna take the IP that you are licensing, you're gonna take your brand's identity and then you are going to marry them and come up with a unique expression of the two of them that only could have existed if that license collection came to be. Mm. And by doing something that is authentically you and authentically the brand, you will gain those customers, which is what you want, but at the same time, they are absorbing some of your brand. So when you you know capture that customer and you try to shoot them another email or retarget them in some other way after they've made their purchase, this, outreach will not be completely foreign because they're seeing some of that DNA in that outreach in the product that they have. That is not as easy to do and requires a lot more creative heavy lifting. So it is oft not done, but 
the normal cycle is that even with the big brands, they'll do some licensing, it'll make some great sales, ultimately the numbers don't work great, so they end up kind of getting out of it, and it was like a fun experiment for some, uh, for some time, but the people that can do it well and do it consistently are using it as that vehicle, and then, I mean, as an aside, they, you know, you have to have a, a really good way to move that inventory quickly, because one of the biggest things with like branded with branded uh, collections like this is like that newness that newness really has you know think of like comic con or other types of ways that people will drop product and it'll release and there'll be a frenzy around it that usually happens around intellectual property that is your best friend when you're doing these and it will be hot that first day people are flipping them for 10 grand on amazon and a month later you have to slash your prices by 40 percent because it's not hot anymore that's a separate thing that's kind of moving, that's like a go-to-market strategy specifically for licensed yeah, yeah. collections. But yeah. but as far as what the thing should be and what it should look like, that's your, that's your secret sauce. And that's, I think just by doing that, you inherently have insulated yourself from everybody else that also has that character because your unique interpretation of your brand and the IP is not gonna be the same if another person does the exact same process as you, mm -hmm. but if you put Mickey on a notebook and they put Mickey on a notebook, really just two notebooks with Mickey if on it. If you're the Danielle Nicole and Loungefly comes into play, then where are you gonna be? Basically, uh, that's, that's what that cautionary tale yeah. really says. There you was, have to was... have something that stands alone in order to keep your customers converting. Yeah, or if you, I mean, you just you need to have enough of your own DNA yes. in the product, that, yes, and not and resist the urge to just put the IP on there, even though that will sell. But it it burns the bridge to light the way because you're not selling your product at that point. You are selling a IP version of your product. They are not buying it because of any kind of brand value that you might have. Citizen is one of those big ones that I think unfortunately kind of falls into that space. Um, a lot of their watches are fine. They're fine. They have enough money to throw around to be a corporate alliance sponsor with Disney. So you see them represented in parks and things like that. Mm -hmm. And when we recently went to D23 Expo and I saw their, their watches, they had one or two that I would genuinely say were a unique expression of the intellectual property and the, like the, Chronologic or was it chrono chronology? The 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 what the, the time the like the never mind. Okay, the history of watchmaking and what makes the Citizen watches special. There were a couple. There were two or three pieces that really that did that well, and those pieces were phenomenal. Those were some of the more expensive pieces. I have a feeling I know why. Um, but most of the pieces there um, were a normal watch and Buzz Lightyear's on the face of the watch or sure. one of the circles is a Captain America shield. Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That could have been a Timex. That could have been a Casio. That could have been a lot of things with the Captain America shield on the circle. The dial is a circle. The shield's a circle. Like, come on guys. Too, <laughs> too easy. Um, there was nothing there was nothing intrinsically citizen to that besides just the name being the on name. there. Yeah. Um, 
I'm gonna if it if I can, a lot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> if I can find it, I'll throw it up here. One of them that I really liked was like this this version of like an 80s watch that they had made before mm. that was like an X-Wing fighter and the dials kind of look like instrument dials, but they look like instrument dials that you'd find on the X-Wing fighter, Ooh. which I thought was really cool. really cool. Like what a unique kind of like 70s, 80s style, yeah. the original movie coming out around that time, not using just like the logo on it. That I thought was awesome. Like what a great, and if I got fed an ad after I bought that, that showed me Citizen's new 1970s digital quartz collection or something, I might be like, oh! Oh, yeah, they and, do it And if stuff. I was in the market for another timepiece, I, I might have swung over and, and all of a sudden I've become a regular customer, or at least I'm in their, um, mm -hmm. I'm in their like funnels. Their funnel, and that's also it too. Part of it is that if you are licensing and you're getting those customers to come in, you've got to have built out a good funnel to keep them back in, staying back in. They're not a one-time yeah. buy we'll, and leave. We'll call this part three, the funnels. Not the bees. That's what I thought. The, <laughs> from, from Screen Crunch. Never mind. And never mind. Please continue. <laughs> you were saying the no, funnels. No, uh, the funnels. The funnels are very funnels. important. So um, I have seen this before in not only um, being a consumer of licensed goods, but also with the um, past work I've done with clients or other companies that I've worked for in the past, um, where it can go, you know, either way. Sometimes I see something licensed as a consumer and I'm like, this is cool, right? It's a shirt. It's a, I don't know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I like this. I'm buying it either in a store. I take it up to the register and I buy it and I have the shirt and I've never thought to myself, oh, I wonder what else these people make or whatever, or even online because I get an ad for it or I see somebody else like an influencer wearing it maybe or something and I get like a link directly to the thing, I buy the thing and then I never hear from them again. And that happens and I'm happy with my purchase, but I'm not going to be a repeat buyer and I probably won't even remember who made it and I won't mm -hmm. care. Um, some of these things can even be like memorabilia because I know that there's like whole companies that make, you know, little like kitschy proppy things, um, for different licenses or whatever. And that's, you know, it, but you don't even think about it or t-shirts or whatever. Right. So, um, so how do you get them to know more and to, to realize, oh, they do other stuff. So again, I think this also goes back partially like Nick said in the last point, that has your DNA, your brand's mm -hmm. DNA, yeah. right? So I thought of another good example of this, and that mm -hmm. is Funko Pop. Funko Pop has every license ever imaginable. They carry oh, things, Funko even Pop. if you think you're a pop culture nerd, you're gonna see Funko Pops that you're like, what is this? I've never they're heard like, of this character, this show, whatever. They they have them all. But and they're like, they're like, at this end of the spectrum though when it comes to like licensing companies they are a company that exists because of licensing so this is interesting because yeah. this isn't something like they already were making figurines unlicensed and then they started to get licenses no 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 the product was made to be licensed mm -hmm. but because you still even though we've never seen an unlicensed Funko Pop you can tell me what a generic Funko Pop is if I say 
Well, like what's, boy, it, right? what's it look Funko, like? Funko boy, you know, there's the one that's like their mascot. Yeah, like you're like, oh, he has a big rectangle head and the giant black eyes, mm -hmm. and then their bodies are tiny, and like, you just know, you know the look of it, right? You buy one and you realize, because on their packaging even, it will show you get the other ones in the set, which is really smart. So that's one strategy. Um, that the, the thing you have tells you what else you can get. Mm -hmm. um, but you realize like, oh, this, there's so many, I mean, we all know this now, but there was a point where we all learned that they do but this, I, right? I like that, I like that, that, that concept that you're saying where if, when a company does it well, injects their DNA into the license, you still see the brand, even though there's another license very, very prominently being featured, Funko, I think, being that like edge case of them doing it phenomenally, even for a brand that didn't need to. They don't exist to do anything other than license, but they needed to make they they did make sure that their brand DNA still came through. So you look at a Funko and you look at another collectible, and, and people will, have tried to knock them off their oh, high horse. There have been other collectibles that are like squishy ones, or they're like little hard round dudes that come in their own boxes. I don't even remember what they're called because I see them and I'm like, yeah. this is a knockoff Funko Pop let's, and it's not as cute and it's not as interesting looking. So let's get back to funnels. We were talking about funnels. funnels. So yes. So um, also what's interesting about Funko Pop, I will add, is that they have now pivoted a lot beyond just the, the, the standard collectible. You can get them in big size. You can get them in mini size. You can get games. games. You can get merchandise like shirts and hats. You can get... <laughs> um, uh cereal i don't know if they still make the cereal but they did at one time have cereal they they're just they're trying a lot of things i bet if they haven't already they're gonna get into media there's gonna be kind of like i i don't know if they have or not it's like i know lego obviously has gotten into media and there's like lego little shorts of movies and things for kids there are which tons is of lego ton. tons. and i wouldn't be surprised if funko also kind of goes that way um but anyway that's also that's part of their funnel as well, right? That mm -hmm. you buy into their whole shtick, and then you want to get other things that aren't even collectibles. You want to try the cereal, you want to mm -hmm. watch the show, you want to get a T-shirt, you want to play a game, right? All of this. So that's part of it. You can have um, adjacent products that are going to be good for people. So somebody buys your um, your Mickey Mouse shirt, and suddenly now they get the shirt and they already know because it's either a flyer in the package when they order it from your online store, it's part of the email campaign they get back, whatever, or it's mm. even right there on the site when they are shopping that there's suggested products. It could be all three of those things. So you really like drum it in, but you're saying like, you like this, look what else we do. And in everything that they see and touch and interact with, immediately after purchasing or as purchasing, it needs to be chock full of your branding, your branding, mm -hmm. your brand voice, your brand colors, everything. Something that is undeniable who you are and what yeah. you do. This is not the time for a generic checkout page uh, and all of that nonsense. You need something custom and you need something that really helps people go, oh, I get it. Oh, they do this. Oh, this is cool. I found a new Spirit brand Jersey I like. Is another one oh, yeah, Spirit Jersey. Where that stupid line. <laughs> but right you here, know it. That, but if you were to take all the thing away and ha show me two pullovers, I'd be like, Spirit Jersey, 
they again it's simple it's just you know and spear jerseys existed a long time because people in the 90s were wearing those yeah but they weren't licensed they were for like yeah. their teams but it's still like, it, you know. like it still has enough if they were to stop licensing tomorrow and come out with a cord line that was inspired by this that and the other you'd see the stripe the scene thing and you'd kind of go like oh these were the there'd be enough you wouldn't go like the heck is this um so but that also speaks volumes to their product development oh, because true. they could have chosen they could have they could have chosen they could have chosen to do licensing in a way that they just ma made different shirts, different sweatshirts, whatever, and abandoned the structure of their thing mm -hmm. in order to just produce garments that have these licenses to get more out there. But they don't do that. And that's good because they didn't lose sight of that little thing, that the DNA, DNA makes that makes you know who they yes. are. So when we start to see <clears throat> brands sacrifice that in order to produce more licensed goods, um, that's where they lose a sense of self. That's where mm -hmm. customers don't even recognize that it was an actual brand who made it and not the license holder themselves who made it. And it gets all like murky, wishy-washy, and um, that's a hard game to play. Yes. Last part, part four, we're gonna call, so I'm in business and I want to license, what now? Um, I've seen some people talking online uh, that there's like brokers that know companies, like there's brokers that know like, oh, Universal and all these things. Uh, I wouldn't go with them. One, because they're eating into your margin. And yeah. two, if you have a strong brand voice and you have an awesome product, um, and the, the value proposition you're bringing to the table is a good one, it doesn't matter who you are or how big or how small it's an opportunity for the IP holder to have their product or their IP showcase in one more place. It's very low risk for them relatively. So there's not a scenario where they're like, oh, but you didn't come referred from so and so, so like get away. So I would stay away from brokers that are immediately trying to, unless it's like a really tough find and there's really like no other way to like get to that person. A great, great way to do this is conventions. We talked about conventions. True. Licensing Expo. It's in June this year. I'm going to go. We should go. So we should go. Okay, we'll um, be there. We'll We've be decided there. right now. We'll be there. We'll be there. Um, Hang out with us in Vegas. Woohoo! Really, though. Yeah, no, yeah, we will be we'll there. Be there. Um, well, we went last year. We went last year. Yeah. We go for all of our clients yeah. that also do licensing as well, and we take meetings. But the best thing about Licensing Expo is that when you register to go, uh, I think like a couple months before the show, they open up a portal online that has everybody that has a booth there. Every IP from like Coca-Cola to Betty Boop to like Universal and Disney down to it's like wild. the comics that it's you've cool. never heard of. They have yeah. a booth there. It's and, fun. And, and the whole, like, I mean, yeah, the whole, see. the whole portal and the whole reason for that being is to match make. So you send out requests through the portal saying, hey, this is what I do. This is what I want to, you know, try to get to, um, and I'd, I'd be, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I'd love to, you know, if you'd want to sit down. Nine times out of ten, they're at a convention. You're not getting them in their normal kind of cycles of life, trying to get some time on their calendar. They're not doing much else but being there and taking meetings. Mm -hmm. So there's a good chance when we used to go back in the day. I would book a meeting with 
anybody who would who would book a meeting with me and, and it like relatively matched up and there might be an opportunity, even if there wasn't an immediate like through line, just to start building a network. And I have gotten referrals and met other people because it is a relatively small community where somebody goes, well, I, you don't know me, but you met with so-and-so and they had mm. such a great impression and said that you were working on X, Y, and Z that was phenomenal and I thought to reach out to you. And I've had, you know, stuff kind of come around like that mm -hmm. because of it. You're not using a broker. You're not using anybody. You're, this is an opportunity to go and you, you're talking right with them. And you have sometimes five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes to sit at a table and give them your pitch. Yeah. You know? Be prepared though. You must be prepared. Oh, of course be prepared. But you gotta you're have not... your numbers. You've got to have your plan. You've got to have examples, you know. But it, like I would say like in normal life, a lot of the barriers are just kind of getting into the room. And a licensing show is a place where you're already in the room. Yeah. So do not go... And all the players, big and small, are there. But they are I, there. I will say a lot of the people, most of the people, will not take meetings that you trying to book at the show. Like if you walk up to the booth and go like, hi, I'd like to meet with somebody, nine times out of 10, they're all booked. That's why that portal ahead of time is so important. Mm -hmm. Reaching out, showing people your website, exchanging information, setting up a time in the calendar um, is so, so important. Yeah. But it is such an it's such a great networking opportunity. And then there are events that happen af after hours because it's in Vegas. So even if you go, well, you know, I didn't have a meeting with you, but then we met at a party yeah. and we were both talking about Disney and how much we think that their so-and-so could be doing this and that. And you're like, give me your card. Oh, you're in LA, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, or they're you're, like, be here tomorrow, let's do lunch, you know. There, yeah. There's phenomenal networking and it's a space where the playing field is very much leveled with big players and small players as far as getting to the room where it happens. And then for you, then it's on you to like, <laughs> to sell it and mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. um, I will also say, yeah. one thing I have learned in my experience with licensing, and Nick will probably agree with me on this, is that I have seen deals or like collaborations that would seem perfect not happen for one reason or another. They okay. decide not to give it to you. And then I have seen weird and wacky things where like it's a big name license and a tiny name company and they're like, what the heck, let's do it. And they do. And you're like, why, how, how did they manage this? I've seen like, you know, it's yeah, really- Don't just think, well, I need to be super big to do this or that. Or no. they won't talk to me. No, go request a meeting through the portal with the person that handles licensing at Coca-Cola. Go request Universal. Go request whoever it is you want to talk to. Yes. Or if you have an idea of that and you need somebody to kind of help out and and not help broker, but like maybe help through some of the paces, reach out to us because yeah. we do also do that. Yes. And yes, I just said don't hire brokers, but <laughs> that's not exactly what we this don't. Is. It's not necessarily the same thing, but but um, we definitely are happy to provide our experiences so that we can kind of shortcut some of that uh, learning curve. Yeah. But but don't be afraid. Like, don't think like, oh, they're not going to say yes to me. You really never know. You they never might know. take a chance on you. Or don't get discouraged if something that you think should work out, they give you a big fat no. Like, there's another opportunity around the corner if this big is really time. what you're going for. Um, like, I've gotten blown off so many times and then we're, we do some other smaller project and that makes the 
excuse me, that makes the rounds, and then all of a sudden they when, come back and they're like, and you're like, and you're, like, and you're, like, and yeah. you're, you're like, hey, I'm so and so from that project, and they're like, oh hi, <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah, it's a small community, so kind of going there and kind of letting everybody know that you're there and that you're not a spammy brand. No, that and you're you're intentional about entering into the licensing world and yeah. you're there to stay, you're there to do multiple yeah. things. Like, I mean, yeah. But you can tell I'm quite passionate about licensing <laughs> <laughs> and storytelling. <laughs> um, so. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Okay, I think that's the end of our video. Yeah, I yeah. think so. It was a good video. I always love to talk about, and if you haven't yet watched it, we have oh. like an hour long video oh, on yes, our channel do. all about licensing where um, we, go like we go really, really in depth, even on some of the things we talked about here. We talk about the process, but like we talk break more it about, down. Yeah, we talk more about like the nitty gritty points. So if this is something that interests you, mm -hmm. that you want to start doing and looking at for your business, I will put a link for that video up here. And we give some like critiques of real world examples of licensing, yeah. everything like that. So we if you haven't seen lingo, it, check it out. Yes, 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 the, yes. Yeah, just to kind of to to kind of like get your feet wet in it, so that you, when you're approaching these people, you feel like you have at least an idea of what you're asking for. Because if they go say, "Well, what's the minimum guarantee? Well, like what kind of assortment? What royalty rate are we looking at?" you at least kind of have an idea of what they're talking about and you're not coming into it blind. Yeah. So check out that video. Totally. Uh, That's our funnel. There it is. Funnel. See? Funnel. You're here. I'm like, now you're here. Now go here. Oh, you did that? Okay. Hey, check out our merch store. <laughs> Hit that bell. Like and subscribe. <laughs> I know. Funnel. Can you believe that so many things have said, like just telling people to subscribe gets you more subscribers, which sounds crazy. Did it work? Did it work? Did it work? When we said it, did you do it? We're waiting. Did you do it yet? We'll know. We'll know. <laughs> you think we won't? We'll, we'll know. know. Anyways, uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought. If we didn't cover anything, if you wanted to go into more detail, again, reach out. We love to chat about these things. Yeah. Um, check out our link below for the merch store where we have a really fun Disney adult shirt because I other last video from here where I talk about how being a Disney adult is a good thing because it doesn't mean what you think it means. So watch that one too and check out that funny shirt. Um, also Janae's, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe Tombstone shirt yes. uh, is <laughs> hilarious and I can't wait for it to arrive because I've been wanting to wear that for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see everybody next week. And until then, it's, it's business, business as, as usual. usual. Bye.